I was going to be a working mom and I was going to have to do everything at 100%, right? I had 100% committed to my job, 100% committed to my motherhood and 100% committed to keeping my child and my family safe in a pandemic. And so I was operating at this 300% that doesn't <laughs> actually exist because there are not three of me and I was not willing to let anything go for fear of what that would say about me as a person. Welcome to the Mama I Hear You podcast, stories for moms by moms. I'm your host, Jamie Evans, a mom to four and seven-year-old boys. In this space, we'll be sharing relatable motherhood stories from listeners like you that make you feel seen and understood during this messy, beautiful season of life. From the moments that feel incredibly hard, to the moments that make you belly laugh. No story is off limits. So warm up your coffee again, and let's get started. Real quick, before we get into today's episode, I want to say a huge thank you to all of you that entered the podcast launch giveaway contest. It means a lot to me that you took the time to follow, rate, and review the show. The contest has ended and the winners are in. Grand prize goes to Danielle Pope out of Canada. Danielle, you've won $500 and a Pat the Bunny book set. First prize goes to Maggie Canatomi, and the two runner-up prizes go to Sarah Hillbrand and Jennifer Thompson. Congrats to all of you. I'll be reaching out to you shortly via email. Once again, thanks to everyone that entered the contest. And now let's dive in to today's episode. Today's story is about Rebecca and her experience of having a baby in New York City right at the beginning of the pandemic. You'll also hear about some of her challenges with getting pregnant, pregnancy itself, and the surprising way she found help with breastfeeding during the COVID lockdowns. You'll also hear about the very relatable struggles of two full-time remote parents juggling a newborn without any help. And the one thing she thinks all of us moms need to hear a lot more often. Meet Rebecca. I am Rebecca Dianellis, and I am a storyteller. Essentially, I do that in a multitude of forms. I am a podcast host. I am a filmmaker. I am a performer. And I also coach people on storytelling. After being together for years, she and her husband decided it was time to start trying to have kids, but it wasn't as easy as she thought it would be. I did not start trying to have a baby despite my husband and I being together for like ever until I was 34, which didn't seem that old, right? You know, especially nowadays. And I was like, all right, you know, we're ready now. And we start trying and we start trying and trying and trying. And it just doesn't happen. A year goes by, two years goes by. And like, I still have it in my mind. Like, I don't need to talk to anybody, you know? And at the time I was living in Brooklyn and even my OBGYN was like, this is Brooklyn, whatever. You can have babies later. And then finally, after a while, they're <laughs> like, yeah, I know. <laughs> okay, now you should probably go get checked out. And I was on the fence really about whether or not I wanted to do fertility testing. Ultimately, Rebecca did decide to move forward with the fertility testing, and this is how she describes it. God-awful fertility tests. 
months of all like this testing, as I'm sure a lot of your listeners <laughs> will know, some of them are quite painful, um, to be given and returned a 27-page document of all the things that were wrong with me. Husband, fine. Sperm, amazing, right? And I feel like that always happens. It's like, yeah, you've got like greater than average mobility and like all of this <laughs> stuff and like... Well, Rebecca, here is everything that's wrong with you. You know, after that 27-page document, I go through a whole grieving process. Like, this is my body. This is how I expected it to go. This is not how it's going to go. And you have all that, like, guilt and shame and stuff. Like, what's wrong with me? At this point, they have been trying to have a baby for over four years. The fertility clinic tells them that the cost of IVF is $40,000, which they just can't afford. But there is a treatment available that's less expensive called an IUI. IUI is $2,000. It's like, okay, we can afford a couple of rounds of that, whatever. Um, And then before I go to start the process, we go on vacation and I get pregnant while on vacation. So it was like a miracle, right? All babies are miracles. This is my miracle. It was amazing. Rebecca and her husband are so excited. It's happening. She starts to dream about her future. She plans on having a natural birth and she pictures what life is going to be like with her newborn. She pictures being surrounded by family and making a bunch of new mama friends. Yeah, and I was like so excited for that. I'm going to have all of these like mama friends. And I was like, I'm going to sit in circles on the floor with my baby and they're going to be crawling. I'm going to have library time. Her pregnancy is going along fine. But then before birth, her baby is just not turning. Rebecca is really trying to avoid a C-section. But she needs the baby to turn into a head down position. Baby's not turning, baby's not turning, baby's not turning. So I do everything in my power, like, you know, yoga ball and all of these exercises. And I go to a chiropractor. um, And then I have this thing called aversion. You go to the hospital, they give you an epidural. And then they try to turn the baby from the outside. And one thing I realized that they don't, they don't like there's all this discussion about like whether or not you're going to have an epidural, right? Like, should you have an epidural? There's this, you know, information about it and, you know, why it's okay, why it's not okay, all of this stuff. But they never say, hey, if you are someone who has experienced trauma in your lifetime, this feeling of this epidural could be traumatic because you are rendered helpless from the waist down. And so that triggered a lot in me. What was triggered? I was sexually assaulted when I was 14 years old. So the feeling of not being able to control my body or to um, be able to run when something's uncomfortable or scary, and, and that's literally happening to my body, it triggers all of those memories. Unfortunately, even with the version procedure, Fiona stayed breech. So finally, I'm just like, I'm going to have to have a C-section because nothing's getting this baby to turn. When Rebecca had her C-section, the doctors finally figured out why Fiona wouldn't turn. 
Fiona had her cord wrapped around her neck, the umbilical cord, twice, which is why she couldn't flip. Because every time she turned, it would, it would tighten it. Baby Fiona was okay. They finally had their little baby girl they had waited so long for, and they are ready to go home. So this is February 19th of 2020, and I'm living in New York City, and, you know, I just had a C-section, a surgery, a major abdominal surgery, and I'm kind of loopy, right? I've got a new kid. I'm in pain. I'm on all these drugs for recovery. I'm trying to breastfeed. We make it out uh, of the hospital. Nothing's really kind of like top of mind other than this newborn in my life. Now, at this time, there's something going on. There's some virus. People are getting really sick, uh, but it's not really in the States very much yet, or at least like we're not talking about it, right? We get discharged from the hospital and my husband gets sick immediately. In order to keep their days old baby safe from this new virus, they quickly came up with a game plan. The way that our apartment was set up was such that we could quarantine separately. I've got a newborn and he's quarantined in the other half of the apartment. This is right out of the hospital he got sick. This is right out of the hospital, yeah. Her husband eventually got an antibody test, which showed he was negative for COVID during that post-delivery quarantine. But either way, he was completely isolated from Rebecca and their baby and couldn't help at all. And then within one to two weeks of her husband ending isolation, the entire city shuts down because now it's gone from this virus going on in other parts of the world to here, we're in lockdown. Here I am with this newborn, everything shuts down. No more doula, no more parents, because my parents are like elderly. They're both over 65. My mother-in-law is immunocompromised. My in-laws weren't able to fly to New York to meet their grandchild. And I actually had people say to me, you know, having a newborn is just like being in quarantine because you don't go out, you don't see anybody. It's all about that newborn. I'm like, tell me, when you had your child, who came and helped you? Now I'm going to cry. <laughs> um, and nobody, absolutely nobody met my child for a... There are people, my husband's brother still has not met his niece. And she's two. And, and she's two. Yeah. I think that we've had to, to grieve a lot more than, than one would expect in the period of having a new kid. So for me, there was the grieving when I was struggling with infertility. And then there was the grieving that I wasn't going to have a natural childbirth like I had expected. And there was the grieving that I don't have my family and friends around me to meet my daughter. So Rebecca, her husband, and baby Fiona are all isolating together in their New York City apartment. Rebecca's on her three months of maternity leave and her husband is working remotely. There is a lot of fear. The grocery stores are, stores are open. Um, so like every time, and I stay home with the baby all the time, but every time that my husband has to leave to go get, you know, stuff, he's, we're terrified, right? We're just like, 
what if he what if he gets sick? What if he brings back something like you know, we don't know what's going to happen. We live next door to a cafe and, you know, not everybody was taking the pandemic as seriously as we were. And they were like going to this cafe and then sitting on our stoop. So we literally couldn't even leave the house without fear of contracting this virus. We didn't really know all that much about it as we do now. During this time when Rebecca and her husband are home with Fiona 24-7, she really starts to struggle with breastfeeding and it's super hard to find help. No one in my family breastfed. So I was the first person to do so and I had no examples of it. So I had no idea what was going on. And so it's just, it wasn't working. There was the recurrent mastitis and, you know, thrush and clogs and fevers from the mastitis and all of this stuff, right? Um, but I just, I did not want to like give up on my breastfeeding journey. My daughter at three months started losing weight. We had to supplement with formula and there was a formula shortage and you had to buy it on Amazon and it was like a hundred dollars. They were jacking up the prices. It was insane. I was working with lactation consultants virtually. I was going to ask, so Zoom lactation consultants, how was that? I had to go to like different ones because everyone's telling me you're doing everything right. I see the latch. It's fine. It's fine. And I'm like, it hurts. And then finally, one woman was like, hey, this is going to end your breastfeeding journey if we don't figure something out. So finally, I, I get this wonderful lactation consultant and she was an IB, IBCLC. And uh, she's like, okay, I live in Brooklyn too. I'm going to leave a scale on my front, you know, like there's a special scale for weighing babies. I'm going to leave it on my step. You're going to come pick it up. And we're going to, you know, see how much milk she's getting all the time. And she was barely getting anything. She's like, look, I know this one ENT in the city that's working. Technically, she's not supposed to be. And she could clip the tongue tie for you if you want. And so my husband and I drive through this dead city where things are boarded up because there's also riots going on at this time you remember. Rebecca is referring to the riots that erupted in New York City after the murder of George Floyd. The city that never sleeps is completely dead. We go into this empty office with this really wonderful woman. She actually specialized in babies with tongue ties and lip ties because she was a breastfeeding mother that had a really hard experience. So she was like, there are still mothers, babies being born in this time. And technically, I'm supposed to be shut down, but I can't let you women go in pain. The ENT clips the tongue tie, which is exactly what was needed. Fiona's finally able to get the milk she needs, and Rebecca can finally nurse without all of this pain. At this time, Fiona is three months old and maternity leave is over. Rebecca and her husband are both now working full-time from home over Zoom and because of the pandemic, with no help. I went back to work at three months postpartum. I go back to work and it sucks. And I'm like breastfeeding on Zoom calls with the camera pointed up and, you know, constantly fielding like phone calls. My husband and I had made these schedules, these color-coded schedules, like, okay, I'm going to take Fiona from 7 to 8.30. And then, you know, at that time they were like, breastfeeding every hour and a half, like, okay, we're going to take this time and then you're going to take this time. We're just passing her back and forth as we're both working. 
But being the mom and being the breastfeeding mom, she always wanted to be with me. How did you do like naps? That was that was the thing with like the scheduling. Okay, I'll take her now at this time to this time and you take her this time. We were just passing her back and forth. But uh, I didn't know how to put her to sleep without breastfeeding. So like it always ended up being, okay, now it's nap time. She's coming back to me, right? So that's, we just did that. And um, I had to advocate for myself, but I didn't. Because I just thought I had to do it all. Like work full-time with a baby at home full-time. In a pandemic where nobody's helping, right? I work for a company like with with clients. It's somewhat agency um, operated. And at a certain point, I was just like, I can't, I can't be client facing anymore. I would be late for like team meetings or not able to like jump on a team meeting or this or that. We are culturally groomed to produce, right? Like you know, work, 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 work all the time. Oh, and now mother, 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 mother all the time. It is the destination, not the journey. It's the results, 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 results. And because you are nine months pregnant or you have a child and your body is a wreck from these hormones, you cannot do that anymore. Your mind is still expecting to do that. I was operating under the same idea of who Rebecca was pre-motherhood, pre-pandemic. I always have had a really high threshold for work, right? And not only can I no longer do that, but I don't want to do that. You know, there are other things in my life that I am devoted to that are of greater importance. I just thought I had to do it all. And I think that society tells us as mothers, we can do it all. You know, there came a point in history where we couldn't do everything that we wanted to, and now you can do anything that you want to, and you have to do it all because you should feel grateful that you can do it all. So you wanna have that career, you wanna have that family, you wanna have that money, you wanna have it all, like go and get it because we're going to applaud you when you've got it all. Just don't sleep. And it's like, (laughs) just don't sleep. Don't take care of yourself. And so there's almost this perception that women who are not taking advantage of all that we are allowed to take advantage of now are somehow less than, or that we're making a decision to accept less than we are offered. And the fact of the matter is, you're telling me I can have it all at the detriment of my mental and physical health for me to try and have it all. So I think that at that time, I was still under the impression that that's what I needed to do. I was going to be a working mom and I was going to have to do everything at 100%. 100% committed to my job, 100% committed to my motherhood, and 100% committed to keeping my child and my family safe in a pandemic. And so I was operating at this 300% <laughs> that doesn't actually exist because there are not three of me. And I was not willing to let anything go for fear of what that would say about me as a person. One of my tendencies is to be like, yeah, you know, Rebecca, that's a lot, but at least this. And but there's always somebody that has it worse than you. And yes, that is true. But at the at the end of the day, like, this still sucks. You know, like, this still sucks. While Rebecca and her husband are in this type of survival mode, 
passing baby Fiona back and forth throughout the day, they are also trying to maintain their relationship. So another thing they did over Zoom was couples therapy. Um, That was another thing that like we realized throughout the pandemic was like, oh, we need to still have a relationship, right? Um, So my husband and I, um, we went back to couples therapy, which we did via Zoom, which we had done for like a couple of years, like earlier on in our marriage. So yay, couples therapy. I'm a huge advocate for it. Was it the same counselor that you had? Yeah, because now she could do Zoom, right? So um, we were like, I don't have the energy to like onboard another person into my brain. <laughs> you know everything that's up that we keep circling yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, okay, let's, let's, let's just get, catch you up to date and that's it, right? <laughs> um, this is what's happened in the past three years. Like obviously we had a kid and there was a global pandemic. <laughs> um, Since they couldn't leave the house, they had to get creative with the ways to connect And they did. So we instituted virtual date nights. Like we did date nights where we took turns planning them. So like I one time got a tarot card reader or, you know, I put like a screensaver up on the TV of the night sky and did a a picnic one night. You know, sometimes you have to get really creative. We took tests of like, what's your love language and all this kind of thing. And so, you know, that's how we like held on to the bare thread of our marriage. (laughs) From Zoom lactation consultants and Zoom work meetings and Zoom couples therapy, Rebecca had no desire to make her new friends she had hoped for over Zoom as well. I was so burnt out from being on Zoom meetings all day. The last thing that I wanted to do was get on Zoom and talk to a bunch of other moms. I had no desire to, you know, get on another virtual mama meetup or anything like that. Like, I just was like, I just want to watch Love Island. Like, it got (laughs) to that point where I'm like, baby's asleep. I am watching trashy reality TV. After months and months of the three of them basically being stuck at home together 24-7, they hatched a plan to be able to spend some time with extended family. We're like, we got to get out of here. We need to get out of New York. And my husband and I had been vacationing in Vermont every year, once a year, for as long as we were together. And every time we went to Vermont, we stayed in the same place. Um, This like group of cabins owned by a family. So we called them up. And we were like, this is what's happening. We need a place that we can stay where we can each quarantine separately for two weeks before we can combine, you know, homes. We don't have a ton of money, (laughs) you know, to like get this huge house. What do you think we could do? And they had this really big house that has two wings that they use for weddings. Like the bridal party could be on one side. So they worked out this really great deal for us where we ended up staying there for six weeks. It was two weeks with, of quarantine, two weeks with the families combined, and then we stayed another two weeks. We continued to work there. We couldn't take six weeks off of work. But at this point, we're like, oh, we have help. And while we were there, it had just a different vibe, you know, because Vermont's very like open, wide spaces. New York is, you know, super dense. You could walk out of your home without a mask on because like you're not going to see anybody you know especially where these cabins were like you're you're walking into the woods um 
at the time, Vermont had the lowest case rates, you know, in the entire country. For Rebecca and her husband, being in Vermont just felt right. And so they decided to take a leap of faith. And we were like, you know, always said that we wanted to move to Vermont someday, right? It was sometime down the line. Um, so we were like, you know what, let's check out a couple of places while we're out here, just see see what there is. Um, and we found we found a rental and we were like, okay, I think I think it's time. I think the universe is saying just because of the way that we felt the moment that we got here, like physically, mentally, everything. Plus my daughter talks to trees and kisses trees and hugs trees, like literally as a tree hugger, right? And so we went back to New York, packed up all of our stuff. And I had been living in New York at the time for 37 years. I was born and raised in New York. Um, my husband had been there for, I guess, uh, 15, 15 years or something when he, when he first came, went there for college. And we just packed up everything and we left. Things started to shift for Rebecca after moving to Vermont and Fiona getting a little bit older. At 18 months, I woke up and I was like, what happened? <laughs> Who am I? <laughs> what is what is my life? You know, like it just was this wake up call. Like my head has been down for a year and a half. Who am I? Separate from the work that I do, separate from this child that I raise. Because when you have a kid, there's also this period where that really is like everything, right? In the beginning, it's just like, my whole function physically and hormonally is to be in connection with this child. I think for me and probably for a lot of other pandemic parents, there was this extreme learning curve. There's this learning curve for all parents when they become a parent. But add on to that the fact that you don't get your village. It took me. 18 months before I was like, I can't, I cannot do this alone. I can't, I can't, you know, I know I'm forced into this right now, or I've been forced into this, but like, there's got to be some, some other way. And for Rebecca, there finally is another way with the pandemic shifting. Fiona is now in school. They will hire a babysitter on the weekends. And she's finally making those mom friends she pictured back when she was pregnant. To be honest with you, I am just now building a village because I moved from a place that I had lived my entire life. I started a mom's group called Off-Duty Moms and no kids are allowed. You cannot bring a kid to the meetup. I'm sorry. How's it going? It's been good, you know. We've met um, twice so far okay. and tomorrow night is our third meetup, the first nighttime meetup. And we're going to listen to jazz music and have mocktails or cocktails of your choice. And with no longer being in lockdown, it's so much easier to get help from a professional when she needs it. With her struggles with breastfeeding, she had to pick up a baby scale from a porch, drive through a dead, boarded-up city to this empty office to get Fiona's tongue tie clipped. But now she can just schedule an appointment. She's going through some sleep issues. It's a mess. So I hired a sleep consultant. 
I'm like, you know what? I cannot, I cannot, I cannot function on this little sleep, right? It's taking like an hour of me like holding her hand at night to, and she's sleeping, she's going to bed later and waking up earlier. And it's just like, uh-uh. So I was just like, I need some help. Had it not been for the pandemic, Rebecca says she likely still wouldn't be nursing Fiona because she hates to pump and she would have had to pump at work. They probably wouldn't have moved to Vermont and they are super, super happy there. And she appreciates that she got to spend so much extra time with Fiona that she wouldn't have had otherwise. But at the same time, it was really, really hard. This experience of being a mom in a pandemic is absolutely valid. I'm not gonna say, you know, at the end of the day, I'm just so grateful because I feel like part of toxic positivity to like completely negate everything else, but it's like anything else. It's a mixed bag. There's the good and there's the bad. It's bittersweet and it's, it's just the way that my journey went. Before we sign off, there's one thing Rebecca wishes she would have heard more in those early months, and she thinks we all need to hear more. It's simply this. I didn't hear the word mom for a really long time because no one was coming to visit me and saying, oh, you're such a good mom, or look at you, mom, or anything like that, and Fiona couldn't speak yet, right? So what I really wanted to hear is, you're doing great, mama. Like, you're, you're doing awesome. And like, that's it. I still want to hear that. <laughs> I still want to hear that. You're doing great, Jamie. You are doing great, <laughs> mama. You are. I, I need you. to hear, I need to hear that I'm doing awesome. Right. Hopefully there are some partners listening to this and they're <laughs> like, I'm just going to go give my partner some more accolades and tell them how wonderful they're doing. I love that's it. That's it. Yep. Just tell me all. Three times a day. I want three reasons. Yeah, we all just need all the support that we could get. Since I recorded this episode with Rebecca, I found out that she's actually quit her job and started her own business. It's called The Story Artisan, and she helps people discover, develop, and deliver their own unforgettable stories. You can find Rebecca at www.yourstoryartisan.com. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I need your help to help this show get in front of more mama listeners who might benefit from these stories. Please follow, rate, and review the podcast. Go to mamaihearyou.com on whatever device you use to listen to your podcasts and click on the button that says rate this show. That's M-A-M-A-I-H-E-A-R-Y-O-U.com. Also at mamaihearyou.com, there is one of my favorite things. You can record your answer to the fun question of the month, such as where do all the missing socks go? The answers will be pieced together in upcoming episodes with some of the best answers shared on Mama I Hear You's Instagram page and in the Facebook group. And finally, I would love to hear from you. At the website, you can leave me an audio message about the show or just motherhood in general, as well as fill out a short form if you'd like to share your own motherhood story on the show. Thank you again for listening and I look forward to connecting with you.